Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2020, and we were in the midst of a lockdown, thanks to this pandemic that still hasn't ended a year later. But it was around the April or May timeframe when I received an email from my friend, Leah Frazier. Remember her from two episodes back? Leah, the PR maven that she is, was working with a publication called Dallas Innovates. And they wanted to know how Black entrepreneurs were managing through COVID-19. It was pretty early and many businesses had shut their doors because of the lockdown. It was mandated. And in certain situations, even if you hadn't closed your doors, customers and client traffic was grinding to a halt. Leah reached out to me because she was lining up about five entrepreneurs for this article that Dallas Innovate wanted to write. A couple of them were her clients. The rest of us were not. Among them, a man named John Tomlinson. I'd never heard of him before. But John and I would become friends. How did that happen? Well, when the article came out, John went on and on and on about a book he had read by Arlen Hamilton, the founder of Backstage Capital. He cited that book as being so motivational and inspirational for him in building his tech business. It's an app called Quarterback Equalizer. His company is called Equalizer Games, and it helps quarterbacks improve their game. I thought it was interesting that he shouted out Arlen because only a couple of years before I met Arlen in Detroit, Michigan. Remember when the National Association of Black Journalists called me to moderate their opening tech plenary session? Arlen was on one of the panels. I had the honor of introducing her and her story is amazing. She happens to be from Dallas as well. So she's a homegirl. Little did we know that Arlen also read the article in Dallas Innovates, but only after a nudge from me on Instagram, I tagged her on the story when I posted it and said, hey, Arlen, look at this guy, John. He's all over your book. Next thing we know, we're all in touch with Arlen. But I'll let John tell that story. I want you to meet him. Because John and I became friends. Networking, he's become a part of my community. He's also still a college football coach. And he has ties with the NFL. You want to hear from him. See what's going on when it comes to sports and dealing with COVID-19. But also what he's doing in tandem. Building a tech empire. Let's get it.
right, I am so excited today to have John Tomlinson of Equalizer Games here with me today. John is an entrepreneur and he has found a way to mash up sports and gaming and it's called Equalizer Games. And John, why don't you tell us what they do? So Equalizer Games was started by my wife and I in 2016. And really the vision came one day, I'm sitting at home breaking down film for an upcoming opponent. And at that time I was coaching high school football in Virginia. My wife, you know, Sundays is a time to relax, not do much, but she knows for me doing football season, it's ongoing. So she looks at me and she said, you know what you need to do? You need to find a way to take how you teach and put it into some type of app or game. This conversation was in 2008. Mm. And so, uh, Long story short, fast forward to about 2014, I was working at Cedar Hill High School. We just won our second state championship and I had a really talented quarterback coming up through the ranks. And, you know, my wife said, you do a really good job with him. And she said the same thing. And the head coach walked into the coach's office one day and he said, hey coach, whatever tools you need, the checkbook is open. And I knew at that time and even now, the tools that I'm thinking of in my brain and what to develop, they're not, they're not available. Yeah. So well, coach, I'm going to create my own tool. And that's wow. pretty much from that conversation, how we got started. That's amazing. So we're going to get a little deeper into what exactly it does and how it works in a little bit, but you know what, John, I got to ask you, you know what, you're in North Carolina right now because you traveled to do something with the sports team, yeah. right? Yes. So I'm coaching running backs at Brevard College and it's a division three school about 40 minutes from Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, for me, you know, while I'm running a business, sometimes you, you got to keep your day job, as they say. And it's not that you're not good at being an entrepreneur, but you have to still pay the bills. And I've been a lifelong coach. So this is an opportunity for me to, you know, keep my skill set thriving and continue to build myself. Uh, and it kind of helps me keep the stress level down while my technology partner is working with different groups to begin our next phase of development. That's wonderful. You know, that's important for entrepreneurs to hear. You know, some folks end up on hard times because they just won't allow themselves to take another job, part-time, full-time or something to right. help things to work. There's nothing wrong with it. Right, John? Nothing at all. It, it you have to do what you have to do to keep your purpose alive. And so this is what I'm doing and uh, we're making it work. Everything is, you know, moving along pretty well. And I do a lot of my work when I'm not in the football office preparing for games. And because the coach, we have, we have a spring season. So we just played our first game, lost a close one. And now we're getting ready to prepare for our next one. So while I do this work during the day, I maintain the balance of working on the business in my evenings, but really much, it's pretty much ongoing for me because my phone is right next to me. So if I need to take care of something, I can take care of it. Fantastic. Well, we're going to get more into it, but what do you say we have a culture soup moment? Let's go. Let's awesome. go. Well, you know, I'm always scanning the social web and seeing what people are talking about. And even through this crazy election season, we've got a new president now and all the conversation is going on there. And of course, the devastating impacts of COVID-19. 
um, gosh, we're, we're up to so many people that have been killed, lost their lives and so forth. What I've noticed is sports really hasn't stopped. I mean, it paused for a second, <laughs> but you guys kept going. How are you making it happen? Well, that's a great question. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I think from the college standpoint, we've just taken the model from the professional ranks. You know, I have really close friends that are that coach in the NFL. Yeah. Don't know anybody in the NBA, but I think they're taking some influence from the NBA where they've just created bubbles. Yeah. And bubbles, there's constant testing because we have constant testing. And so the testing is ongoing every week. You have to hold your players accountable where they travel, the spaces that they decide to, so you're able to play. Because if you don't hold them accountable and you're not able to keep them in the right places, we're not going to have a season. Right. So I think we've been able to pull it off. Well, and Equalizer Games is, is virtual, too. So you're coaching, but you have this yeah. gaming platform. Is it an app for your yes. phone? Tell me about it. Yes. So it is an app on your phone. <clears throat> we have an MVP product which means it is not the first release. We only launched this to give people a feel for what we're getting ready to do. So what's on the market now is maybe 45% of what we really are trying to do. And so it's been out for over a year. <clears throat> we have a lot of coaches using it across the Southeast uh, and the East Coast and in the Southwest. And the coaches that we've had have used it for the last two seasons, 70% of those teams that use the two have made qualified for the playoffs. And so the way it works, you download it on your phone. It's called the quarterback equalizer. When you download it, you have a virtual coach in the game. He teaches you coverages, pass coverages. Wow. It's helpful for a quarterback. While it is not VR, you are inside the helmet. Mm. You scan the defense after you, before you, after you pick a play, you drop back the pass, and then it's going to ask you a question. Hey, what's the coverage you just saw? And so you answer the question. If you answer it right, the drive continues. If you don't, anything happens when you make bad decisions in football, no matter any sport. And so when you fail in the game, you don't understand something, you go into a virtual classroom and the coach walks you through understanding different coverages. So it's an eye development tool. It's an IQ tool. Helps you develop your rapid decision making. That's amazing. <laughs> So when your wife turned to you and said, you know, when you need to put your teaching and instruction in some type of online course or something, did yes. you think that it was going to come out this way? I mean, that's amazing. It sounds like a flight simulator for a quarterback. Yeah, and that's a really great analogy for it. So um, at that time, I didn't, but I understood what she meant because I teach based on cues. And so for me, a quarterback has to see something over and over and over again, visually to digest it and understand it. The more he sees it, the calmer he becomes, the less stressed out he becomes, and the more he starts to just process information just because, hey, I see two safeties, I see one safety, I see no safeties. And so these are just cues. This helps him better understand concepts. So now that he sees what the defensive structure looks like, when they start to move in the game through our tool, when he gets into a real game, now he understands, okay, this is what I saw in the game. It looks the exact same way. It becomes a cue for him. And now he understands how to digest more information. And so this is the way I've been teaching for a long time. I started with PowerPoints long mm -hmm. before we did this. And I would just animate figures on the screen. And this was years ago. 
But at that time, there was no technology. So I had to take the ideas and those PowerPoints, put them to life. Wow. Yeah, you know what, y'all? <laughs> I even tell my executives, if you can get rid of a PowerPoint and communicate to somebody, you're really getting through. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? I want to ask you this. So is the Equalizer game, is it structured more for college, high school, professional, or, you know, even elementary school kids? Perfect. So I'm going to say youth league to college. Yeah. League to college. Because the way we're developing our tool now for our next launch, it's it has stages to it. So if you don't graduate from that first stage, that youth league tool. It's nothing like the high school version or the college version. And it's the tool that we're putting in the hands of coaches. So now coaches can put their information in and train their players accordingly. We think that's the most effective way is, is to stand in alliance with the coach to prepare their players. And then also the parents, because there's some players that just don't have access to certain information. So when they get ready to take that leap to high school, there's certain things they conceptually don't understand because yeah never seen it before. And that's what the tool provides. It provides access to information so players can be smarter, physically safer, because they're making better decisions long before they get on the field. That's really, really smart. Hey, John, how did you get here from, well, let's go back. Where'd you come from? <laughs> Tell me your story. <laughs> how did we get right. here? Yeah, so I will tell you, I, I've been coaching since I graduated from college. I went to Winston-Salem State University Graduated with a computer science degree and a minor in math in 1993. Long time ago. Long time ago. Not too long. <laughs> yeah. So, so when I graduated, um, I realized, man, I, I really wanted to go into gaming. But at that time, that's what was in my heart. So after I graduated, I, I moved to the D.C. area probably about um, five or six years after staying in the state of North Carolina working I.T., and uh, started coaching as soon as I got out of college. Mm -hmm. So I had a chance to walk on at Bethune-Cookman and play uh, out of high school um, or get a partial scholarship. But you know, my father's a military guy. He said, nope, you're going to take this academic money. So that's why I went to Winston-Salem State. Okay. And, uh, I, I've always been an avid gaming type of guy at, at a younger age. Of course, gaming, weren't, they're nothing like they are now. No, not at all. Wait, okay, so, so that's... 93, 94, something like that. Um, no, I'm trying to think of what kind of games we were playing back then. Video games. Two-dimensional games, yes. <laughs> exactly. So when I graduated, I went into technology, started coaching, because where I was coaching in North Carolina, you didn't have to have a teacher certificate to coach. Uh, these two bridges until I moved to uh, Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, my wife mentioned the whole idea of technology. So we're living in Virginia. I'm coaching there. But at this time now, I'm working for the federal government as a contractor doing some cybersecurity. Okay. And one day I'm in an office in an undisclosed place, and I'm looking out the window at the woods and the trees and the sunshine. And I'm coaching, like I said, at the same time. Every schedule that I ever had, it was always structured around football. Yeah. So it was a chance for me as an IT person to jump into management early in my career. I passed on it because my passion was always, hey, I want to keep my afternoons free so I can coach. And in this little phase, maybe of about two or three years, my wife and I talked and 
I just said, I need more of a challenge. I'm ready to get out of here. Mm. So um, I was at a coaching conference. I met Jim Carl. He's a former NFL head coach. He was with the Indianapolis Colts, Detroit Lions. He helped put me on my first opportunity. Wow. And from that point on, I never looked back. And so between coaching and this technology, they started to bridge together. I started to have experiences at the highest levels of the sport. Coach with the Cleveland Browns, uh, was the uh, at that time the Oakland Raiders, right before they moved to Vegas. Yeah, and you know I've had some college jobs here over the last couple of years. So for me, it's always been I want to continue to coach because that's what I enjoy doing. I love teaching, but this partnership with my wife building this company—that's my legacy project. Yeah, uh, a shout I'm out your wife. Project. She's here in Dallas with me right now, braving the aftermath of Snowmageddon, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I shout Kathy Tomlinson out um, uh, for more than one reason, but she's been the great, greatest partner, you know, as a wife, but as a business partner also, because she believes in what we're doing. And, you know, it takes funding and this is a process. Yeah. This takes, you know what I mean? So but we're getting there. We're, we're, we're right where we need to be. Now. That's awesome. She's Kathy. You are so supportive. I'm amazed at what John has been able to do. And you know what? It counts. It's part of the entrepreneurial journey and also as a leader, it counts who you decide to bring in to your personal life as your partner. Can you speak to that? Yes, I can. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> so so when it comes to coaching football, one of the most imperative things every coach must have, they say it's a football wife. That's the quote we use. Mm. You need to understand the commitment that's required for a coach, family is first. Once you start coaching, you develop a new family. Mm. To abandon your responsibilities at home, but while you're coaching, you're busy. And in, in order to really be successful in this profession, you have to have a spouse, a mate that understands that. My wife has just been 100 with that. She's the one that's helped me get to this next level of coaching in the NFL. She's also been the one that's been very supportive and understanding when I'm coaching those high school kids in the past, as well as build this business. And, and because of that foundation that we had with me coaching and she understanding it, raising a house full of five kids at the time, uh, it's been able to shape the success of what we do from a business standpoint. I always look at myself as, you know, I might be the day-to-day -day guy. Uh, there was a question that she had in some of the uh, information I was looking at online. If you could have another title, I would say my wife would be like the head chef and I would be the sous chef. <laughs> I love it. She's always busy cutting stuff up. Yeah. My wife takes care of some of the, she takes care of the finances. You know, she 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 helps with operations and I'm more of the visual person, you know, mm -hmm. helping this is what the product should look like. This is what it should do. And this is how we want to teach coaches to teach their players. And then I feed that information to her. Hey, what do you think about this? And because she's been in this with me for so long, you know, she'll tell me yay and nay. And so that's what's so great about having her as a partner. That's awesome. You know, if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're trying to date, believe me, I understand. There's certain folks that you know right off the bat, it's just not going to work. Because <laughs> they have to understand no what we're up against. Isn't that right? Right. Exactly. This is, it's not easy. No. But the greatest things in life that are worth having, they require the most sacrifice and sometimes the most time to develop. Yeah. Uh, this is literally like growing a special plant. Yeah. It's like Water. a child. Yes. You have to nurture it. It takes time.
know, another leadership lesson I heard in there, uh, John, and that was around upskilling. You never stopped pouring into yourself when it came to the knowledge you needed, both on the sports side and the technology side. You want to speak to that? You know, that's that's a great point. Like, you know, we talked about uh, me coaching now and constantly trying to draw in information, spending time around coaches, building those relationships. Uh, it's the same thing with the business. So while I am busy, I'm never going to take a take a day off for what we need to do with the company. And mm-hmm. like about with the funding, uh, we're working on a relationship now with the uh, with an investment company. Um, if I just stopped, those things will continue to happen. Yeah. And that's part of being a sous chef. Like mm-hmm. my wife, she might have a suggestion about something. Uh, she, she takes care of a lot of the books and I take care of, hey, let me reach out to this person. Let me send them this letter. One thing we always try to work on is always being prepared. Yeah. Whether that's having a resume and a portfolio for the company or for myself as a coach, everything is always ready. So when it, there's an engagement, they don't have to wait for anything. Everything is already documented, written. I can send it out. I can speak to where we are and I can speak to where we're trying to go and what we're trying to do. So it's always about being prepared and doing your research. Yeah. And you know what? You took on some internships late in your career, right? Yep. With the NFL. Yes. Um, You know, it's funny because I guess you have to deem what's late. I mean, when you look at the profession, yeah, you see a lot of young guys getting jobs in their 20s. But I've been fortunate because I've met some older coaches that started at 50. Yeah. So I just turned 50 in November, and I say this all the time. I'm just at halftime. 51 is third I know that's right. Can you say that again? Because the whole idea, and even so, think about this, John. 50 really isn't half of your adulthood. Amen. So is midlife really 50? It probably it's not, isn't. <laughs> no, it's just a it's just a, a greater level of maturity. Yes. So I, I'm around a lot of young coaches, and there's there's some veteran guys in the room. And I think one is younger than me, and the other veteran guys are older. And in those conversations, we all relate very well. Mm-hmm. We're all relatable in the life experiences, of course. When you listen to the younger coaches, the one thing I always say, and it's nothing against being young in age, right? But it's that maturity that separates you, right? Up so, there. exactly. And I'm at a different place in maturity, understanding, and and that comes through life experiences, making mistakes, falling down, getting back up. We all have had those hard parts of life, and I've had some of them hard parts of life just over the last couple of years. And you wake up from them, you recover, you move forward. And so I, I think that. great time to continue to further the business and the vitality of it, along with uh, my personal goals as a coach. It's not too late. You know, so when I do hear people say, well, you're a little older, I don't have a cane and no disrespect anybody has. Uh, maybe the AARP card is coming in the mail, <laughs> but that's just a card. Yeah. I'm not old. Um, so I'm with you. I'm not old in spirit. So I just keep moving on. I don't even let those comments bother me because the one thing I always say is a coach can say, Hey, I want to hire this guy because he's mature, mm-hmm. he's physically old in age. He's mature. Younger guys, they're, they're in no different of a situation than I was when I was a younger coach, not as mature, a little green in some areas, 
and they need a little bit more time for their plant to grow. But you know what? Your mind was open to situations that people will tend to count themselves out of because you're just a little different, right? Right. Exactly. That's exciting. That's that's the way a real rock star leader thinks. They don't think, oh, gee whiz, here's the situation. I can't. I can't. They ask what's the opportunity in it and they find opportunities like you have. Exactly. And you have you have to want to continue to learn. To me, that's when I believe you get old, if that's the word we want to use. Mm-hmm. That's when life starts to slow down. Yeah. To a point where it's, you're, you're not being vibrant. When you just say, I know everything, I don't want to learn anything else. Okay, now it's time for to go live in the Keys. Yeah, it's probably when death happens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so that's why I say, I, I'm just getting started. Yeah. Uh, and, and it is what it is. You, know, you make adjustments in life. Like I said, when you have those hard times, those hard patches, you make adjustments, you keep moving. Yeah. And so just, I think we're in a really great spot right now. I got to tell everybody how we met. You know, we were in yeah, Dallas Innovates article. Shout out to Leah Frazier. She was yeah. on a couple of uh, episodes ago. Hey, Leah. But <laughs> she called several entrepreneurs here in town to be a part of this one article. And I never will forget reading your section of it, John, where you were just, mm-hmm. I mean, you were just shouting out Arlen Hamilton like, she, you loved her book, you loved everything she stood for. And I'm reading it going, mm-hmm. This brother needs to meet Arlen. You want to tell that story? Yeah, so I had a mentor. I was in a um, an accelerator at the time, and the mentor of mine she referred me to the book, so I got it. Started reading it, and Arlen had a section in there that it just blew me away because she's an investor. Yeah, but I'm reading her life story. Like, man, extremely relatable. She knows struggle. She knows how to make a sandwich with nothing more than just bread and whatever kind. From Dallas. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she is from Dallas. But she understands the struggle. She's had hard times, and I could relate to that. Uh, so when she talked about building her business, she talked about, look, you just need one yes. Yeah. You might get a hundred no's, and you're going to get a lot more because I've had my fair share. But you just need one person to align with your vision. That's it. And so that spoke to me. So that's why I mentioned her, because at that point in time, that's exactly where I was. Now, I've since finished the book and there are other points in the book that she talks about. And she definitely stresses the whole endurance part, you know, um, and being able to take information and just turn it, you know, in the right direction as you continue to go through this is not easy for minority businesses trying to raise capital. Yeah. It's difficult. It's not that you don't have a product. Most of the time, it doesn't have anything to do with that. You just have to meet the right person. Right. And I said, and I tell her this, you are our right person because mm-hmm. from that, she invested into us and we've since taken that money and, and have prepared ourselves for our next phase. Yeah. So that's why I, I, I give her a shout out because she backed herself up with action. Yes, she did. And, let and me it all started with the name yeah. of the book is About Damn Time. You got to pick it up. Right. It's a great book. But John is like shouting this lady out. 
I had a brush with Arlen. I told this on the other episode while I was hosting and moderating the opening tech plenary session at the National Association of Black Journalists Convention in Detroit, Michigan, back in 2018. She was on one of the panels that was moderated by Lindsay Davis. She's now on ABC News uh, Weekend. She used to do Nightline. You probably know who she is. And so Arlon and I met, we spoke. She gave me some pointers on her biography, so I introduced her correctly. But from then on, we just connected on social until this very moment when um, this Dallas Innovates article came out. We posted online and I'm reading it and John is just Arlen, 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 Arlen. And at some point I was like, you know what? I should tag Arlen. So I tagged Arlen. I was like, Arlen, look at this guy. He is shouting at your book. <laughs> and you want to tell what happened from there? Yeah, so it, 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 was, it was crazy. So the next thing that happened is, is she sends an email. Uh, actually, there was a person a, as a part of that Dallas Innovates article. He knows her. Craig Lewis, uh, right? Yeah. Craig Lewis? That's it, yep. Gig Wage, that's the name of it. That's Shout it. out to Craig. That's it. Yep. Copied her into the article. She reached out. We directly spoke maybe for the next three weeks, back and forth via email. Oh, a couple of times. That first day we talked almost the entire day back and forth. Yeah. And, and, and here's what I mean by being prepared. She is extremely thorough. She's an investor. Right. But she also understands the struggle for us as minority business owners. So every time she had a question, I had an answer. Right. Because it was about being prepared. Now, my answer might have been a little, it might have been wrong, mm-hmm. but I had impression but I had an answer. Yeah. So we logged back and forth for three weeks and she told us what she wanted to do in reference to helping us out with investment. And boom, that was like the next beautiful thing for us. It was so awesome. Next thing I know, I'm talking to you and you're like, we're getting a hundred thousand (laughs) dollars. So awesome. And you know what guys, this is how I met John. Listen, there's an opportunity in everything. And just because we were all copied on that same email and we were tagging each other on social media, we saw yeah. some like-minded entrepreneurs within that one article. And exactly. I already knew Craig. Um, I didn't know Anthara and I didn't know John, but there was an opportunity to meet and get to know John. And we've been back and forth talking on email and text and phone exactly. and zoom ever since. Exactly. You speak to the importance of building your community in that way. So important because we're all a part of this same struggle. And it's just about finding the right people to fit with. You probably won't fit with everybody you meet. But if you can find one or two, and you talked about Anthara, she's done awesome things. I've watched her grow since we left this accelerator together. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I look at her like a sister. We talk constantly. We give each other updates at least once a week. Oh, that's awesome just to check on each other from a business standpoint. And, you know, we look out for each other as much as we can. So, um, and then as you, you know, we, we were able to connect and, you know, we, we check when well, you always, I always appreciate you checking my pulse. And, and, but that's what you need to have in this. That's yes. the community of business. Uh, it's, it's, it's vital to the longevity of the company, but at the same time, it's almost like being in church with somebody and, and you have like a, a I don't know. We all in the choir together. We meet on Friday nights. 
we're not just singing songs. We're encouraging each other. Yes, absolutely. We need to survive. I agree with that. And you know what? The other thing is there's a degree of, uh, we aren't self-centered. I'm trying to find the other word that's opposite of that. We're, We're trying to look out for other people. And the fact is that I was pretty shocked when Arlen was like, let me review your information too. I was like, wait. <laughs> and I, you know, I allowed her to do it, but that wasn't even why I was connecting with her, which was really right. cool because I really wanted John to get in front of this lady because she kept saying, he kept saying, I want to meet her. I want to meet her. And boom. Yeah. And that was it. And, and I've met tons of investors, but the difference she could relate. Yeah. And- stands to struggle and that helped. And she was investing in technology companies that didn't hurt. Right. We happened to have a vision that aligned with her portfolio. So I'm grateful for that. Any advice that you have for people who are interested in building their own app, getting into the technology space, looking for funding or even trying to hire developers. Like that's a whole thing. Yeah. I I would tell you, here's to me the most important thing. Number one, make sure you have a technology partner that can help you build the business. Mm. That's important. Number two, and and I hope I don't miss any point, but I'm going to try to give you very few points. Okay. Partner is important. Number one. Because the technology partner will help you landscape the type of teams that need to take the project on. Okay. Uh, you also want to make sure that you pay people based on milestones. Because if you're just paying them just to do work and you don't hold them accountable mm-hmm. to a, a time frame, those you're going to waste money. That's a money pit. Yeah, exactly. It's a money pit that you're never going to get out of. Uh, so one technology partner... And, and that partner holds those people accountable to make sure they meet the milestones for the project so they get paid based on milestones. Number two, you want to be able to, you know, be as honest with yourself as you can because sometimes you only get a, you get one one opportunity sometimes to build a first impression. Mm. So essentially what I mean by that is, is have your information together. Write out your, your software plan. This is why you want a technology partner, because while you may say, hey, the software does this, 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 you have diagrams, you have a storyboard, they can help you reconstruct that into a way that a developer can understand the language. Mm -hmm. Because we cannot assume that, oh, this is an easy app. I'm just doing accounting. I'm just doing numbers. They'll understand that. Never assume what a developer will understand. That's good. So write out a technology map. And then allow your technology partner to be able to cultivate that information in a language that a developer can understand. So to me, though, those two things are essential. Um, and then number three, and this is my last point, is be cautious of how you hire people. Mm. That's very important. Sometimes it's okay to have somebody that's a little different than you. My wife and I are different. Yeah. But I need that. Yeah. You know? And we hold each other accountable. So you have to have someone that can hold you accountable. So if you're talking about a technology partner, don't just hire your buddy that, you know, um, went to Wake Forest in computer science just because he's your buddy. And you always told him you were going to put him on. Make sure you hire somebody competent 
that can hold you accountable also. And then that could be honest with you. Hey, I don't think we can meet this in this time frame. This is how much time we're going to need. So this is the funding that we're probably going to need because this window is a little longer. And here are the expectations. So just, just a couple of just brief things. When we're just talking about the technology part, yeah. I think if you get a technology partner that'll help speak to the development part, it'll help compensate for what you may not know from a technological standpoint. Right. But you know what? Something that has helped you and it was so organic to your story. You know your audience like the back of your hand. True. So you know who you were after and you knew what they needed and you needed to have that so you could inform your technology partner, right? Exactly. So so during COVID, uh, but even before we met Arlen, I spent the majority of my time creating organic bi-weekly calls on Zoom with coaches across the country. Mm. It's like a and focus group. Exactly. And on the calls, I wouldn't promote quarterback equalizer, equalizer games. My initial purpose for the call was is to build a focus group to talk about scheme, leadership as a coach, how to prepare your players. You know, so it was like threefold football preparation, your own mental, physical, spiritual thing that you're dealing with going through COVID and being a coach because you still mm. respond to players. You have to find a way to engage your guys while they're not in school. And then number three, let's just talk X's and O's. <clears throat> At, towards the end of those conversations, I would then bring on um, some conversation about what we're doing as a company. And then I would ask those coaches to fill out surveys. Hey, you see the tool? What, what would you like to see more of? What would you like to see different? So that's pretty much how it helped us to align ourselves, not with this product, but how to take this product to its final stage right. of the end of this year. That is so exciting. So what are your goals for the next year, maybe two? Where, where do we see Equalizer Games? I definitely see it with our first release by the end of uh, this year. Oh, definitely that's first. awesome. You yeah, have to I come back on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. And this will be more of a B2B product. So it's not so much of an app, but it's it's a software it's SaaS. Right. So, all right. The software is a solution for the customer. All right, software as a service. So it's a SaaS product. We're selling it to schools, and then we're creating a another product that's the scaled down version of what we give schools for the consumer. Mm -hmm. So what you see with the quarterback equalizer will fade away, but the intent of it has already been served, and we're just going to grow that product. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible, John. You have an incredible story. Um, you have an incredible team. I'm, I'm mentioning Kathy because she's part of this team. And um, I don't know who your technology developers are, but they're they're really right there with you. Have you stuck with them? Have you had to pivot? What, how did that work? Yeah, so we had to pivot from the original team, but my, my CTO has always been there. That's Marcus Matthews. He's in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Original team because of COVID, um, I don't even know what happened to the majority of the team company developing it and you know they did our maintenance for quite some time and so while we were going through this MVP phase or our beta phase we were looking for funding to continue the development well with this team we lost a lot of them because they either left the company or they were wiped out because of COVID mm -hmm. 
And with some of them, I stayed in contact with them. And when COVID become, became a problem in India, because that's where the original uh, group was, I lost contact with all of them. Mm. And I could not find where they were. But I know they they had some issues as well during that time. So that's that's the sad part of it. Yeah. Something outside of technology, world pandemic, that kind of offsets your plans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the pivot was, hey, we need the funding to find a new group. And that's what Marcus has been working on. And we, we pretty much have a group that's ready to go. Awesome. John, it's been a wonderful conversation. Where can everybody find you online? Oh, man. I need, So you can find me on Twitter. You can type in uh, quarterback equalizer. Uh, also on Instagram, QB equalizer. And uh, or you can just go to LinkedIn. I'm there also. And um, you'll find us through the QB or quarterback equalizer tags. And um, you'll start to see some of the new things that we're working on. But right now, it's all about development. Uh, we just built a relationship with Backstage Capital. So they will be uh, pushing us onto their portfolio. So you'll see that soon. That's good. And that's we'll get our next round of funding, hopefully, as, as what we've been working on here recently. That's awesome. And Backstage Backstage Capital is Arlen Hamilton's company, correct? Exactly. Yep. So, and where's your website? Is there an Equalizer Game? Yes. Website? So, uh, so our website is theqbeq.com. And uh, like I said, this year, we're just going to be spending a lot of time focusing on finishing this product. And then from that point on social media, we'll start to talk about some of our new launches and releases as we get through about the midway part of the summer. Fantastic. John, thanks again for coming on. If there's anything I can do ever to support you, let me know. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for everything you've done so far. It's, and that's been awesome. And it's, it started with the friendship and um, just looking forward to uh, definitely sitting with you as we continue to expand this product. Absolutely. All right, John, you take care. All right, you too. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. What an awesome conversation with John Tomlinson. He is a tech founder and he is the founder of Equalizer Games, co-founder, I should say, and CEO. Shout out to his wife, Kathy, the co-founder. And you know what? I'm so proud of him and so excited to see what's next. And listen, if you want to get my book, No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say, I'll just include myself, go to Amazon worldwide or any online retailer wherever you live on the planet and pick up the book you'll be excited to do so couple things that are coming up the audio book will drop in the next few weeks i'm so excited about that on amazon and audible so be on the lookout for that and there's a bonus edition coming out later this spring with two bonus affirmations, two bonus chapters, and accolades from people that you may know. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.